The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, everybody, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. As always, we are free on Wednesday because of our friends at MyBookie. Listen, if you're going to gamble during football season, and who isn't, you need a site that is safe, that is secure, and always get you what you need when you need to place a wager and my bookie does that they have a great gaming app to make your bets easy to place you can bet on anything you freaking want and right now you use the code happy 25 you get 10 percent sign up bonus you bet you place put 100 in the account you get 10 you put 200 you get 20 go to mybookie.ag that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e dot a-g mybookie.com you play you win you get paid all right andrew this is a special episode for us this week uh we're doing an awesome thing this year you have brought back your grades from the saints blog saints nation which was one of the main reasons i found you was your grades are fantastic and i'll just i'm not just saying this like andrew he's on this freaking blog because his grades i read them and i'm like these are fucking amazing this guy can actually write a saints player grade that i can understand and it's funny and he can explain football to me so these grades are awesome you're bringing them back if you pay ten dollars and you pay patron you get access to andrew's written grades and you get early access to this podcast during the year you want to do it so this was your inaugural uh grading andrew was it like riding a bike did you have to get back on did you have a little trouble after giving it uh, up, it, it was totally like riding a bike. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I did it for God. I think I did the blog for seven years or oh. whatever it was, and uh, I mean, I enjoyed it. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's a simple process. I kind of just went went right back to what I did, which is you know, I write down a grade that after watching the game once, you know, just in, as a fan, I put down a grade for each player that I think they have. So it kind of gives me a framework with okay, this is my judgment without anything. And then I'll look at the statistics and then I'll allow that to manipulate the grade yeah. so that you can't really use offensive linemen other than maybe penalties or whatever. But, uh, you know, really, you uh, I look more closely at um, position players, right? Like statistics that maybe will influence the grades with stuff I missed. And then I'll rewatch the game. And that's where, you know, I'll pause things, slow motion things. Um, I, and I'll give added weight to key plays. So like if there's a touchdown or just a huge play by, by the opposition, then it's immediately, okay, who screwed up? Why did this play happen? And so I'll, I'll, I'll weight those plays maybe a little bit heavier. Um, so anyway, I don't know that I got into that kind of detail this round pre-season. because as I mentioned in preseason, you know, it's just kind of an abridged version. Um, but that to give fans a, a yeah, we, a, a, a vibe on this like that that's kind of what i do and uh you know i i would love to spend more time with the all 22 and and go into even more detail but then i can't have it ready for you on monday so you know yeah. that and that's, that, that's how another it, piece of that puzzle is it's got to go pretty quick and and the thing is too is um you know 
this grade, like these grades are going to be great. And the thing is that Andrew does that I, that I loved when he first writes the grade is he will a lot of times reinforce what you see on the TV, but he takes it to another level. And you'll be like, oh yeah, I thought Jari Evans was bad, was great. And Andrew will be like, yeah, he was great. And he'll, and he'll just remind you, oh yeah. And that defensive tackle across from him, he's all pro. And you kind of, these things, as these, as the game goes on and you're in the moment, you forget who, who guys are up against, especially in the interior. And Andrew breaks it all down. And that's why I love it. So these grades, you look, they're going to be awesome. You're going to get them all year long. And I'm Andrew's looking forward to doing them. And I'm looking forward to doing this podcast that you guys are going to get early access to before everyone else. And it's just going to be great all year. So let's dive into these grades. And I just want to say, Will Lutz, you gave him an A. Uh, and it's kind of obvious. But I think we're getting to the stage, Andrew, where not only is Will Lutz a made guy with the Saints, but like... They paid him as the best kicker in football, and he, I don't know if he, he is anymore because they had a guy, a couple people sign after him. But I think you can make the you can make the argument, and it's not there's not really an argument necessarily against him because he's done it. He's done it, and he's starting to do it in big situations too. Yeah, well, you you can just tell when a kicker goes from you know maybe a head case or just really focused on his technique um, to just kind of being in a flow where he he just he's a robot almost doing his thing and that's what it kind of feels like with Lutz now but you know yeah business as usual for him Um, you know I think with with kickers and punters it's a pretty simple task Um, you know there there's not a whole lot going on you either make your kick or you don't Um, and you know I think maybe the most tricky kick I mean he had the 52 yarder which he made um, and so it was nice to see him get tested with a little distance Um, but then there was also the high snap which you know you know, give kudos to, to Morstead on that one. But, you know, a lot of times a bad snap that's high and behind him that can disrupt the timing. Um, you know, I would give most credit to Morstead on that kick for getting that ball down as quickly as he could and doing his job as a holder. Uh, but still, that can be disruptive and, you know, give credit to, to Lutz also for making that kick. I feel like Will Lutz has moved into a place where if it's inside of 55 yards and it's indoors, I expect him to make it. And that is bananas. Like, 52 yard totally field goal. Fair, yeah. I I expected him to make it. And kicking kicking it in the NFL is just it's it's bonkers. Well, it's kind of it's kind of how he felt about Morton Anderson because yeah. at the time he was the best kicker in the league, but then you realize that he, like his percentage points are like 10 points higher than yeah. Morton Anderson was, and you're and that you makes you realize, well, everyone's good now. Everyone, I mean, everyone in the league, I would say with few exceptions are, are better than what Morton Anderson was in his prime. And that's how good kicking has gotten in general. If you don't kick if you um, don't make but, 80% of your kicks, they cut you. Yeah. That's so it. Lutz is one of the best of the guys doing it. So yeah. he's awesome. All right. So this is a guy who, who's sort of with the Butler, with the manual Butler hype has sort of crept up on people. And Dante Harris, you gave him an a minus. I'm just going to let you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, you know, him being explosive was exciting. You know, I thought he had a couple big returns on kickoffs, and he was one man away from breaking it. Um, but the two things that were mo- most impressive to me, um, the first was that, you know, he had a guy that was right there tackling him, and he broke the tackle. And so a lot of time with explosive little guys like that, uh, they sometimes don't have great toughness. They don't break tackles. And so you know, as a returner, that's great if you have the speed and elusive ability. But and you know, he has the one cut and go, which Darren Sproles have. You know, Reggie Bush, 
Tommy Lee Lewis. They were quick players, but they didn't really have that one cut and go style to the return game. So yeah. Deontay Harris has that, which was the first thing. But to see him break a tackle, it's like, okay, he's got a little toughness. Like if you try to arm tackle him or give him a weak tackle, he can run through that and keep going. So that was good to see. Honestly, his technique on the fair catch uh, was maybe in some ways most impressive to me because you see him get under the ball. You see him catch it cleanly, comfortably. Uh, you know, and that's the, one of the main reasons Jairus Bird had a lot of chances. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As a punt returner, <laughs> when, he, when the Saints were inside their 20 was because he, they trusted him and his, his hands. And that's why he would be back there instead of maybe some of the guys that could actually re- return the ball, right? Yeah, um, well, that's, that's what happened. On a, more, on, the, so. on a Monday night, the Saints, they were playing Atlanta. They were up 7 nothing. Tommy Lee Lewis botched a punt. And Atlanta went on to just steamroll the Saints. And afterwards, Sean Payton was like, fuck this. Jairus Bird, fair catch every time. Yeah, just fair catch everything, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's the thing about Tommy Lee Lewis. It's not that he wasn't explosive or that he couldn't do it. it just He always made me so nervous, I think all of us, because he just didn't catch the ball that cleanly. Yeah. Like it just didn't feel natural. So anyway, I think that was the most Im- impressive part for me with Deontay Harris is he just looks natural back there. It looks like he's been doing kick returning his all life. His whole life, he's comfortable with it, and so I think it's a natural position for him. Yeah, I don't think. Um, final thought on him: I don't necessarily think he's a lock to make the roster, but I do think he's one more good return, probably away from being practice squad at minimum. I I think I think I'll go a step further, Ralph. I don't think he's going to clear waivers if the Saints cut him. Who? Um, now now. I, I, he the key here is he can't fumble. You know, for, the, yeah. for these next three games, he really cannot fumble. Um, but if he doesn't do that, and maybe he breaks one or two more returns, I think he will be the kick returner for someone. If the Saints decide to go with Marcus Sherrill's, I think he will not click. Cre- he will not clear waivers, and he will be the returner for somebody. Yeah. Well, either one of them. Uh, yeah, they probably won't clear waivers because somebody will look at Cheryl's and say, "Oh, he's a veteran guy. He's Minnesota. He's really great." Especially if a team, if they have they have a disaster situation, it's it's not return game, right? But but Chicago right now, their kicking is a disaster, right? So if yeah. I mean, there's if, some team that's I mean, puts you this way: if it, the Saints last year, if they had seen this tape from De- Deontay Harris on a different team, 
they would have picked him up and said, you're our return guy. Bye, Tommy Lee. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Before we get to Teddy Bridgewater, I want to go to Dave's adopted UDFA son, little Jordan Humphreys, because he, Andrew, was struggling so much in practice. And people were like, I don't know. He better get it together. He may, even though they don't make, I forgot who said it, but, but somebody was like, hey, I know the NFL teams don't cut down until – they don't do stage cuts like they used to. But little Jordan, he better get it together or he may get cut right now. And he showed out in the game. Yeah, well, he cost uh, Richard Matthews a, a roster spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's something. But, uh, yeah, you know, only two catches, and they were both in the second half. So I don't think you draw too much from that. I mean, you also have to consider his competition. But – you know, his first catch was a shorter one, but he, he showed his size. You know, he's 6'4", 220, and he muscled his way to a first down after the catch. Um, so that was good to see. And then uh, his second catch was the 33-yard touchdown where, you know, he catches a ball coming across the middle and, and races to the end zone. So I think he, he showed really three things. He showed size and physicality. He showed the ability to stretch a play with his speed, um, and he showed good hands. So, um, you know, that was really encouraging, I think. I think uh, he, he really needed to have a game like that. I think anything short of that probably was the end for him, considering how all these young receivers are doing. Um, but, but all of a sudden now, you know, he's, he's kind of in the mix, and he had a good game. So uh, now you see maybe what he can do if, if he can build off that. Um, you know, Emmanuel Butler is going to play in these games coming up, and those guys really, to me, are kind of the same player because they're both 6'4", 220. Um, they, similar stature, similar size. So Saints aren't going to keep both of them. Maybe one makes the team, maybe one makes the practice squad. But I feel like Emmanuel Butler's direct competition for little Jordan Humphrey. And I, I would say still, even after this game, based on training camp, Butler's maybe a step ahead of him. So he's got to keep playing games like this. The Butler hype is out of control. Christian Garrick and Bobby Hebert have Emmanuel Butler ahead of Kirkwood on the depth chart. They had, a, they, had, they had Emmanuel Butler ahead of Kirkwood and Traquan Smith. And I was like... Well, I just don't think... I don't think... I mean, Kirkwood and Traquan Smith are, have seniority and they're guys that were actually on the team last year and made plays in real games. But I don't think... I mean, we know Ginn and Thomas are on this team. But if you were asking me right now to name the number three receiver, I have no confidence in that. Like, I, I couldn't tell you. And I, I mean, there's a bunch of guys like... Simi Cobb, Austin Carr, um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Emmanuel Butler, Traquan Smith, Kirkwood. So there's a ton of guys that yeah. find that. I'm spot. not saying and I, I don't. It's not decided. I'm not saying that Emmanuel Butler can't go out and catch four balls this week in against the Chargers and move to number three. Like I'm totally open to that scenario. I'm just saying, right now on August 13th. Dude, you can't have Butler ahead of Traquan Smith and Kirkwood. No. Like he's got he's got to do it in an NFL game. Like I I just I refuse yep. I refuse to I refuse to put him there. Now I will I move think, him up I think rapidly. The feel the same way, but uh, you know I think so. This game coming up against the Chargers will be big, and there's a chance that the Saints will start Breeze because it's against the Chargers in California, and he'll want he'll want to play a little bit. So maybe he plays a drive. But that, that's one thing. Like if, if they go out in the first quarter and Breeze throws two balls to Butler and zero to Traquan, and you're, you start to think, hmm, he's got yeah. a little more chemistry with that guy. Yeah. Uh, I think that starts to change the game pretty quick. 
Yeah. So let's get to Teddy Bridgewater. He's the topic all last week after the game and early this week. Of course, he was the focus of our podcast. Um, first of all, what did you see from him that – did you see anything from him that you were like, oh, I, I didn't realize he was he was that way? Did, you, did anything about him surprise you? Um. Yeah, I mean, let's start with the good. I mean, I knew he had a live arm, but I think he definitely confirmed that. And, and you know, the long ball to Grayson in particular. But I, I just thought the few times that he pushed the ball down the field, um, he, he looked pretty good. And, and Dave Cariello actually had a good point, which is, you know, I, I, I view Breeze as an elite receiver – or sorry, as an elite quarterback – because of what something Zach Streif said on the podcast, a lot of times he's throwing guys open. In other words, they're completely covered, but he throws at the only place the receiver can get it. And if there's trust and time to task between those two, uh, a lot of times he's completing passes where the coverage is just perfect. Google, and most quarterbacks are not making that throw. Google Dan Orlovsky from today from Get Up. He showed that exact play with Drew Brees, the throw to Dan Arnold that Dan Arnold dropped in the NFC Championship game. Orlovsky used it as his exhibit A that Breeze is not in decline because he froze it and he's like, look at these five receivers. Who is open? None of them are open. Now watch this throw. And he put it where only Dan Arnold could make a play and it was a perfect throw and Dan Arnold dropped it. But that's something that like, there's like three dudes in the NFL that can do it. Yeah, and I I, I was going to say, I don't think um, Bridgewater's there, but but Dave made a good point on that on that drop touchdown by Michael Thomas, which is the coverage is perfect, and Bridgewater throws an outside ball, really the only place where Michael Thomas can go get it, and the corner has no chance. Um, and unfortunately, it's a drop, and you know, the corner gets in the mix there and, and knocks the ball away. But uh, that was a play that easily could have been a touchdown, and I thought that was a great throw. There was a couple things. There was one rollout to Traquan where the location of the ball was way behind him. It was a completed pass. But it's just, you know, that, that's little stuff. And I, th- I feel yeah. like Breeze is always automatic with that stuff. And we take it for granted. That if, if there's one thing I would say we're spoiled by with Breeze, it's like seemingly easy throws that just seem like a throw that anyone could make. But he puts it in a location where the receiver or the running back's momentum is going forward. And it's, it, it doesn't slow the play down. And, and that rollout past the Traquan Smith is a perfect example where it's slightly behind him. He makes the catch, but it gives linebackers that split second to catch up in pursuit, and the play goes for a couple yards instead of eight yards. You know, and so it's a big difference. Uh, timing and, and rhythm, hitting a guy in rhythm, is everything in this league. With how quick the defenders are and how quickly they close those windows, um, and so you know, it's one of those things in college. Maybe you can get away with that, but in the pros, you don't. So there, there was a little stuff. I think there was a couple times where he took a couple sacks, uh, which was disappointing. And uh, but I was impressed that you know he he didn't force things. You know he he checked down a lot. Um, if, if the if the throw wasn't there, he was dumping it off to the running back. That's something that Breeze does all the time. Uh, and I thought that was a lot of maturity from Bridgewater to just when it, when the play wasn't there for him, he took the checkdowns. Um, but I thought the most encouraging thing was his two minute drill, uh, which which really was flawless and masterful. Um, Dan Arnold makes a great play there at the end to get the touchdown, but uh, that was a great drive. Yeah, and look, to me, Bridgewater showed exactly why the Saints have given a third-round pick and invested $15 million-plus with him over two years. And uh, I don't think anything – if anything, the Saints 
what they hoped of Bridgewater, it's progressing exactly like they want. Now, look, we got the, the, the Breeze questions. That's not this podcast because this is grades. But, I mean, so far, so good. And that third-round pick looks like a great yeah. a great deal. Latavius Murray, who you in April said would be a bust, uh, your grade on him was a B-. minus. How did he look? Did he, did he move the needle for you to thinking better of him? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, small sample size, so it's just really hard to grade a player like that when he touches the ball six times. But um, that throw in the flat, uh, where you know he kind of gets led a little bit by Bridgewater, and that that actually kind of made me nervous because it was a great throw by Bridgewater, but that's a throw I like him making a Camara. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a different running back that I don't trust his hands, I don't want you throwing it to an outside position where he's got to go get the ball. I'd rather you just hit him in the chest, even if it allows the defenders to catch up a little bit. I'd rather just a catchable ball, which, you know, he could secure easily and then run forward, but you know, he kind of leads them a little bit. And uh, Latavius Murray's adjustment to the ball there on that big gain on that passing play was pretty impressive. I mean, he just looked very natural catching the ball. Um, and so that was a surprise to me because that wasn't really what I, I felt was in his arsenal. I thought you know, he was really just kind of a north south runner. Um, but if, if this can be part of his game and an element of his game, I think he all of a sudden becomes a fantasy prospect, a late round fantasy prospect for people. And uh, I also think he's all maybe becomes more like Mark Ingram than we thought in terms of his capabilities on the field. And uh, that would potentially open up the playbook for Sean Payton when Murray's on the field and allow him to call a lot of different plays, uh, which I think means he would potentially play more. So um, that was encouraging. He also had a third and short carry, which he converted for a first down. And, you know, that was an area of his game that I was worried about. So really small sample size, but uh, I saw some good things. Yeah, just by the way, Andrew just broke down every single touch Murray had. That's why you're going to pay $10 for these grades, and you're going to want this podcast early, and you're going to want to read his written grades. He just broke down every touch the man had in a preseason game. You're not getting that anywhere else. So, Jaquiz Rogers, uh, I don't watch the tape like you, Andrew. He looked fat, though. He looked he looked fat. He, he looked fat. I'm just going to well, say Well, you know, he, he did. He, he looked uh, different from his playing days in Atlanta and Tampa, and I think the Saints may be hoping they're, he'll play his way into shape. But, the, look, this is what happens when – Matt Days gets injured and Buck Allen gets injured and Rob Kelly gets injured. This is the fourth veteran running back in the pecking order that they've had in camp. So, you know, they're they're uh, the the litter of running backs, out, veteran running backs out there is dwindling to fat guys, you know, that, that are completely out of shape. And that's what clearly Jaquiz Rogers was. But you know, he, he used to be an, an elusive and explosive back um, and. Yeah, I wasn't seeing that at all in this game. So he, he's, he's a shell of his former self, and uh, I, I don't see any path to the roster for him based on what I saw. Uh, offensive line, you gave it a C-, minus, um, and it sort of bears that out. You talk, you could talk about what you saw in the game, but the Saints are still fishing. They signed another guy, a local kid. They're still fishing for offensive linemen. They're, they're still – whatever they're seeing, they're not happy with it. Yeah, I just think it's tough. Um, you know, when you're shuffling guys in and out and there's not a lot of chemistry and, you know, there's been some injuries on the offensive line, so they're holding some guys out. But I just think uh, too often there was one guy making a mistake. And when, when you're on the offensive line, you know, one guy that's not comfortable and not doing his thing can really ruin the whole chemistry of the whole thing. So 
uh, when their offensive lines are playing well, it's all five guys playing together. Um, and you didn't see a lot of that. That's going to happen in preseason to some degree. So I don't see that as too alarming. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously they've got to get these starters healthy. Uh, I think good sign is that McCoy looked pretty good overall. Um, but again, they really didn't see enough from any individual guy to make too much judgment. I just thought overall Saints didn't run the ball as well as I would have liked. Uh, the pass protection wasn't as good as I would have liked. And so as a group, they get a C minus. Um, I'm looking forward in regular season. Again, you get to grade these guys individually. And I think that's the thing, especially here, is there's so much shuffling in and out that you hate to crucify a guy for one mistake, right, where he gets beat for mm-hmm. a sack or or one missed block where it's a run and then the guy gets pulled and somebody else comes in. And it's like, yeah, you know, it, it, a lot of times with offensive linemen, it's not till the second quarter that they really start to get in their rhythm, you know. And so I think it's hard on some of these guys. But uh, overall, I didn't think it was a great performance as a group. This is my biggest concern of the game, and I said it on the podcast in the, uh, uh, the post game. And again on Sunday night, and I'll say it again here, uh, it wasn't Marcus Davenport being bad. It wasn't the, the, the rush defense or the, or anything. Patrick Robinson, I worry about him because he is not young. The Saints drafted him in 2010. He is coming off a serious uh, injury. I worry that he might be dunzo as a player. And if he is cooked as a player, then the secondary becomes very, very fragile from third corner on. You know, Patrick Robinson is a guy that, say what you will, I mean, I've always thought he was a physical player. And I I thought maybe the most concerning thing was, you know, a play where he runs up in run support to make a stop and just completely whiffs on a tackle. Um, and I think part of that's maybe his time away from football. He's, he just looked really, really rusty. Um, you know, one of the only times the Saints were able to kind of pressure and hurry a quarterback and hit him where this wounded duck goes up and he, he's kind of, kind of caught staring in the backfield. And so the ball is hanging up there for what seems like an eternity and it still falls into the waiting hands of a tight end for a touchdown. Uh, I just don't think Patrick Robinson could have played that that any worse you know, the thing that really stands out to me is that, look, this was all happening in the second half. He was not playing against Adam yeah, Thielen. Yeah. He was not playing, you know, he was not playing against, you know, these guys that are going to be doing it on Sunday. So um, it's just one game. You know, I'm not ready to write him off, but I think the fact that he's playing in the second half with those guys and he's not playing in the first half is kind of telling of how his camp's been going. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, I think. He is a guy to watch to either get cut or get traded because a te- teams are so desperate at corner. I could see a team being like, "Eh, Saints, we'll give him a conditional seven for Patrick. Sure, we need it. We need a body, or you know, it's just it's just one of those things. And, and I don't even, you know, if if it doesn't work out and Patrick Robinson ends up being washed, I don't even like blame the Saints. It's like, oh, that was a bad signing because when they signed him, he was coming off a great year and he was older. And he got hurt. So, like, yeah, you know, it could have been where he might have not got hurt last year against Atlanta and he would have been fine as the third corner. And maybe this year the decline starts just because age sets in. But the injury just boom, it's it's you're done. And that's that's football, man. Um, the thing that was frightening as I read your grades and, and, and preseason, it's one of those things where you don't really pay attention to stats a lot of times. Dude, I didn't 
213 yards rushing, 7.9 yards a rush. The Saints defense, I know it's just preseason, and I know it doesn't matter, but 8 yards a rush is 8 yards a rush. I don't care if it's a preseason game or it's me versus my son in the den. Like, that's that's bad. Yeah. I mean, in the second half especially, uh, you just saw a lot of long runs getting broken. And, uh, you know, you just saw the combination of Craig Robertson, Vince Beagle, Colton Jumper, you know, a lot of these backup linebackers. Um, Names I, I, that I, sound I, like an old NFL game where teams couldn't use the likeness, the, the video game couldn't use the team names or the actual players. Like Vince Beagle and Colton Jumper, they sound like made-up names made from up a names, 1990s yeah. Joe Montana football for Sega. Right. It's, it's, it's like the Madden draft where, you know, it's some guy you draft <laughs> out of BYU in Madden that doesn't really exist, yeah. Um, but... Uh, well, I mean, no surprise, none of those guys were drafted. So <laughs> that, that's what the Saints are playing with, a backup linebacker, and um, I, it showed. You know, I thought uh, the backup linebacker play, the front seven really as a whole, uh, was absolute garbage. And it, it just got worse and worse as the game wore on. And so, you know, I think Dennis Allen will talk to these guys and in practice, look at that sussed out. And I expect to see a better effort, Ralph, because it, it's not even that these guys will make the team. It's just embarrassing for them. Like they're trying to make, <laughs> they're trying to make an NFL career of it. They're trying to put tape out there, and it's not and happening. The lack of a pass rush, the lack of tackling, the lack of edge setting, um, it was it, it was a Spagnola esque, you know, in terms of the defensive <laughs> effort. Oh, that's bad. And and I, I was, it, it was not fun rewatching. Yeah, that. not gonna work here yeah, anymore anyway. Ways, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's like, like in some ways. Like it was a one score game. So, and I had a good time. I was there with my son. So I didn't really realize how pathetic the defensive performance was until I rewatched the tape. I didn't realize it until you, until you told me, Hey, my first grades are done. Did I do it right in Patreon? Can you go read it and check it for any massive typos or whatever? And then publish it. I went and read it and then it hit me. And I was like, it was like a slap across the face. I was like, God damn, that run defense was bad, you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, look, you know, it's preseason. Uh, and, and A lot of those guys aren't going to play. No. But the one thing, the, the final grade, and I feel bad doing this because the audio on this podcast has not had exactly Olympic covered itself in glory, you know what I'm saying? But you gave the Superdome audio an F. So explain yourself as people that listen to this podcast consistently are laughing their ass off as we give somebody else an F for Wait, audio. My, has my audio been bad? No, just in general, this oh. podcast, we oh. struggle with audio. Oh. Yeah, uh, there was this weird crackling that kept happening. And it, it was worse when the, anytime the referee, the head ref, would try to explain a penalty or you know he would speak and you would just hear this awful crackling. And so what would happen is they would just turn it way down because they could tell like, like half the stadium, you could just tell it was like turned way down because they could tell it was a problem. And so you would hear this crackling, but then like it was turned so far down that the parts, the the speakers that were actually working, you couldn't hear them that well. So it was like kind of doubly awful. Um, And there were times where like the music would actually come across fine and you'd be like, Oh, it's fixed. It's fine. And then like halfway through the song, the crackling would come back and they'd turn it down like almost immediately. So it's just, it was a pathetic, 
I mean, you, you, they've had all off season to figure this out. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just amazing to me that the first game of the season, uh, preseason, that they would. Ha- hopefully, they'll get this figured out and squared away because it was as a fan in the stadium, like you, you should have good sounding audio where you can actually hear. Um, you know, and they also interviewed um, uh, Edelson. You know, the old guard, Brad Edelson, the old yeah, guard Ed- Edelman, for the Saints yeah. in the seventies. Or Edelman, sorry, yeah, you you couldn't hear anything. Like you couldn't hear what he was saying as Mike Haas was interviewing him, and um, so that was too bad because you always want to hear what old Saints yeah. players are up to, and so that was a bummer. Yeah. So this has been the player grades for preseason. It's the 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 uh, the, uh, the podcast. We said it was going to go 15 minutes. It's gone 30. So the podcast edition is not abbreviated. This one you got the full thing for this free, and it's awesome. You you loved it. But Andrew's grades are just a t- uh, a taste of what you get. Um, but during the year, Andrew, you're gonna grade every player every week, right? And yep. that so guys, this is it. You sign up at ten dollars. You get the koozie. You get the magnet. You get the screensaver. You get the the grades, uh, the written version, and the podcast. You get it early. You get it two days before everybody else. I mean, that's what you want, and it's amazing. And ten dollars, man. Ten dollars a month is nothing. Like you, you will spend ten dollars a week, and you won't even know where it goes. So, I mean, this at least you, you say, hey, I spend ten dollars a month. I get my Saints freaking coverage. I get wall to wall all year long and that's dude even if you sign up in september andrew and you bump back down to two dollars or one dollar or whatever in you know february when the saints are done that's like 50 bucks i mean it's nothing okay um we don't get offended if you if you up and down your 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 support for the show it doesn't offend us but it's so it's it's a little bit of money and uh i am i am going through these grades again i am I'm so excited to be doing this. I think people are going to love I think people are going to love this uh thing that we're really doing for the show. Um is there anything else that you want to add to the pitch to try to convince people that they should they should be uh signing up for this? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they if, if they're excited if they like to geek out and, and look under the hood and look more closely at, you know, how each player is doing individually, um this is definitely the thing for you and you know, I, it's not. It hasn't been so long that I haven't been doing that. That yeah. I feel like a lot of people that read my blog and enjoyed the grades remember it. Um, and I've gotten a lot of messages on Twitter, person DMs, and and, and mentions just uh, with people excited that it's back. So um, I didn't realize that some of you were reading it so closely and enjoyed it. But that's awesome, and yeah. makes me feel like purposeful in doing this stuff. So I appreciate. Yeah, and that. it's going uh, Yeah, I think. It, and it's gonna get. It's I mean, gonna, I put the work in, you know. Yeah, it's gonna. It's gonna get. It's gonna get more, uh, sort of in the weeds and technical and play, and, and and Andrew knows NFL coverages and formations and 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 plays and and philosophies and all that. But in preseason, like it's all vanilla. So um, he'll he'll be able to break down each reading these grades. He'll he'll do he'll look at advance and what other teams are doing. So he'll know he'll be like, hey, this team they run a lot of eleven, they run a lot of twelve, they run a lot of twenty one, they run a lot of three wide receivers, and the Saints stunk at it, or the Saints kicked their ass at it. So it's just going to be awesome. So guys, this has been a free preview of it. Um, but totally check it out. It's awesome. Sign up at the $10 level. It's amazing. Do it. And we will see you again tomorrow. <laughs>